is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there is no other gospel. The Apostle Paul came and he said that if somebody preaches any other gospel to you than that which was preached, let him be accursed. In other words, if he comes and anybody else comes and he brings you any form of good news that is not found in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, wherein Jesus was made Lord and Messiah, conquering over sin and death and bringing that life to you as a free gift and to all people, Jew and Gentile, any other message but that message wherein, wherein the good news is the physical resurrection of Jesus, Paul says, let that message be treated as something that brings the curse, that brings death over your life and that cannot bring you life. So I want, to, I want you to know that the essence of the gospel is the resurrection. You might say, no, Bertie, the essence of the gospel is the love of God. I fully agree with you, but love has to be defined. The definition of God's love is, and the revelation of God's love is found in that He gave His only begotten Son so that those who believe upon Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And the only way where you can get unto this everlasting life is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where He has come and condemned sin in the flesh, condemned death, was raised from the dead, and where in that life belongs to us, where we have the hope of the resurrection, and where we are sons of God because of this resurrection, and we will be manifested as sons by His doing, enjoying the fruit of the Spirit as we await such a beautiful, glorious manifestation of sonship. Now, uh, in the communion part, which we normally have before our Sunday service, I, um, I <clears throat> mentioned a part, uh, a piece in the book of Acts. And I want to just quickly read that again. This is from Acts 13 verse 38. And I want to bring to you the reason why uh, the message of the resurrection is of such importance. And this is found in verse 38. It says, Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now, it says here that through Jesus is preached the forgiveness of sins. Now, the way we have seen the forgiveness of sins was in a legalistic way or uh, a judicial way, wherein there was a divine law and this divine law was broken by Adam and Eve and then through them breaking the law, uh, sin passed unto all and all men sinned and because God is such a just and divine being, it was merely just righteous that He would punish all people with death and therefore all people stood legally uh, guilty before God and now that guilt was taken away in Jesus being punished for humanity and now from that legalistic point of view we come and we declare salvation and we say well since Jesus was punished we should not be punished by the Father anymore actually in saying that making the Father's anger our problem making a part of who God is our problem now that is 
a model wherein we saw salvation, wherein many churches and many um, theologians define salvation. Yet I don't believe that that is the biblical model or the model that was understood by the Apostle Paul. Uh, when we look at the book of Acts here, it talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it says here that Jesus did not see corruption. In other words, he died, but he wasn't kept in death. He was saved from death by the Holy Spirit or by the Father that raised him from the dead, never to see corruption. Now, we know that no obedience to the law could save any man from sin and could save any man from death. But we find here that God comes and He is now the Savior. He comes and He forgives us of our sin. Now, the forgiveness of sin, according to this passage here, is explained in verse 39. It says in verse 38, Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, which in verse 37 was declared as the one that didn't see corruption, that was raised from the dead. In other words, what he's saying, through the resurrection of Jesus is now preached unto us the forgiveness of sins. Semicolon, explaining what the forgiveness of sins is. And then it says, and by him all that believe, believe what? Believe that he was raised from the dead. That we're going to look at in Mark 16 today as well. And, and by him, in other words, by the one that was raised through his resurrection, all that believe that he was raised from the dead, it says here, will be, is, are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So here we find that the forgiveness of sins has got nothing to do with a legalistic pardoning of people that stand guilty before God, we find that it's got nothing to do with guilt before God. It's got nothing to do with punishment, but it's got everything to do, justification and forgiveness of sins has got everything to do with God delivering us from the fruit of the flesh as well as death itself through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is why this resurrection and the message of the resurrection is of such importance. So I want to say to you, the reason why the message of the resurrection and the reason why I preach it, and those of you that has followed Dynamic Love Ministries would know that for many years, we, it's basically the only message we teach. The reason why it's so important is because through that and in, through belief in that, we find deliverance from the fruit of the flesh and we find deliverance from death. We can experience the resurrection of Jesus. I want to put it this way. Through this man, Jesus Christ, if I want to explain what, what was written here in Acts, if we don't want to use the law or forgiveness of sins, I want to use this way. Through this man, Jesus Christ, is preached unto you Freedom from whatever binds you. Freedom from whatever any drug rehab, alcohol rehab center, self-help program could not help you unto freedom. Freedom from anything that binds you wherein the systems of this world could not set you free. That is what, what was actually said. 
Jesus is called the, in, in Afrikaans we say the word verlosser, which actually is the deliverer. That's one of the main words we ascribe Jesus with. We say he is the deliverer, the verlosser. We, we don't say he is the forgiver. He is the deliverer because God has not walked with anger in his heart towards humanity. He has walked with concern towards humanity and in our legalistic, judicial way of trying to define salvation, we have actually confused the compassion of God with anger towards sin. The concern that there was in God for His people that are dying, we have confused that with, um, with and we've said it was actually anger, that the anger of God that had to be appeased in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, that the anger of God, God was never walking with anger towards the world. The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that they should not perish, or if you want to use it in its true context, that they should not die, but live forever. Imagine I come to you and I say to you that, or liken this, uh, let me put it this way, if you can go to the world and you can say to the world that God loves you so much that He never wants you to die, man, wouldn't that be amazing? People would actually start to believe in God because many people think that God just wants them to die. God just wants to wipe them from the face of the earth for they are sinners and they, they don't qualify. In the meantime, that is not true. God looks at the life of people. He sees their lives so valuable that He made an eternal investment in humanity by becoming, by becoming a human himself, changing his form, the form wherein he was. Remember, God is spirit. I, I don't believe that before creation that God was a physical human. Uh, definitely not. God was in a completely different form. But then God came, saw man and the, the, the situation that man was in, and he said, I will change my form. I will become a human. And then he became a human. He took the death of humanity upon him, went to that cross, died there. And then when he was raised, after he was raised, he appeared to his disciples and said, it is me. It is me. It, I, that human that died, I have now been glorified. So... Here am I, a glorified human, and God was then forever sealed into a form of physicality, which is a human. Think of this investment that God has made, a glorified human that cannot die, that is above sin and death, a human now in the equality of God, not as God was, but now in a different form, yet in equality. That is the investment that God has made in humanity. He loves you. He's not angry with humanity. He cares for us. And Jesus did not come to take the anger of God out of the heart of God. He never came to save God from his anger problem. He came to save man from sin and death. For there was not anger in the heart of the Father prior to the death of Jesus Christ. There was love in the heart of God the Father towards humanity. And He wanted to come 
and um, father, be a father, a creator, a life giver to humanity and bring us into a form of living where we can never die and forever be with him. Imagine a husband and wife or a couple getting married, standing in front of the preacher and he preaches and then uh, the one says to the other one, until death do us part. Now when they say until death do us part, it's because they cannot say forever. Uh, because, if, because they know that people are mortal and that they are mortal and that both of them are mortals and that they actually come and say, we will live in love towards one another until death do us part because we cannot continue further than that. Now God was not willing to say until death do us part because he wants us forever. Therefore he said, he gave his son that we would not die because his voice unto us is not until anything can separate us. His voice unto us is eternal forever and he demonstrated that in the fact that he was incarnated and then after his death, he didn't just become a spirit who went and floated in heaven, but he was raised as a human being showing his eternal investment and love for humans. That resurrection believed gives us then access to the Holy Spirit and gives God access to our lives wherein He raises us up into equality, complete equality with who and what Jesus is sharing in His life. Now, um, <clears throat> with that in mind, we're going to go and look at Mark 16 and we're just going to go through this resurrection message and I'm going to explain to you the power of this resurrection. We're going to talk some very practical things here today. Uh, I'm going to go to Mark 16. It's amazing to think that God was not angry with us. Now in Mark 16, when we pick it up from verse 1, it actually comes here and it talks about Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James um, and Salome and how they went and took spices. These, these ladies took spices to go and anoint the body of Jesus at the grave on the third day because they know the body would start to smell and stuff and they wanted to go and just anoint him. And on the way there, they were concerned because, uh, remember, there was a Roman seal on that stone. And they were thinking, who will roll this away? Because it's going to be a problem with a seal on it, uh, plus the, that heavy stone, who's going to roll it away? And then when they got to the grave there, they saw that the stone was already rolled away and there was a young man in a white uh, robe basically sitting there and he said to them, look, he is not here anymore. Let me find that exact um, passage. Verse 6, it says, And he said unto them, Be not afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. So this young man, which we know is an angel, comes and he says, Listen, I know who you're looking for. You're looking for the one that was crucified, that actually died upon the cross, um, that, that was really dead. He is risen. He didn't say he was stolen. He didn't say dogs ate him. There's some Christian beliefs that say, well, the resurrection is not of importance. 
Jesus was simply an example of us on how to love and on how not, and was just an example to us on how to uh, love those that are against you and all those kind of things. I want to tell you the example Jesus set cannot help any man. The fact that Jesus, Jesus didn't overcome sin and death by allowing people to beat him and not saying anything. That's not how he overcame sin and death. That is just a lie. The way Jesus overcame sin and death was by faith in the Father that after people has ill-treated him, he then, uh, in his trust in the Father, was raised from the dead and so received a new form of physicality where he has a body where there is no sin in his flesh. And then through that gave unto everybody that believes upon him the hope of the very same resurrection. And that is how it was conquered. We cannot come and belittle the resurrection through uh, dumbing it down to Jesus simply just being an example for us. An example cannot save you. We needed a resurrection. Uh, you know, and that is what this is all about. Glory to God. And here he comes and says, you seeking Jesus. He says, he is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. So he says, look at the grave here. Look at the stone where they laid him. He is not here. He was raised. And then he says, go your way and tell the disciples and Peter that he goes before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. So now this young man is referring back to what Jesus said to them, that he would be raised. It's amazing that they didn't believe that Jesus would be raised from the dead. Jesus repeatedly said to his disciples that he would be raised from the dead. He told them that they gonna, the time for the Son of Man to be glorified has come. They're going to uh, kill me, but I will be raised on the third day. They forgot all about that. They didn't even remember that. It was not in their minds. It's only referred to in the writings of the Gospels later on where they now uh, had, took account of what was actually said. It says, and they went out quickly and fled from the grave, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him and the, for, um, as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that, he was alive, and he had been seen by her, believed not. Okay, so what happens here? Mary Magdalene, he appears to her. She went and told the disciples because they were mourning. They were very sad because the one that they thought were the Messiah has died. You must realize in their mind, they don't understand the resurrection. They don't know the power of a resurrection. It is not a concept to them that one man will be raised and that would be the beginning of the resurrection and that in his resurrection, the resurrection of the last days would take place. They didn't understand that. They just thought that their Messiah has died. They thought that they were deceived. They thought that this man Christ, uh, you know, they didn't know what to do. They followed him. They believed in him. He did signs and wonders and miracles. Uh, Peter even said in, Ma in Matthew 16, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then the, Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed that unto you, but my father which is in heaven. 
Uh, Jesus raised the dead. He did so many things. But here he comes and they betray him as he gets caught by the Roman, the, the Jewish uh, guard there, and then delivered to the Romans and he's crucified. They are in despair. Their Savior has died. And now they are mourning like you would mourn for someone that's never going to be raised again. And Mary Magdalene knew how heartbroken these people were, having no hope, and she went to them and said, I did see Jesus. Now, in the times of the Jews, a woman's testimony back then carried no power. You couldn't come and use a woman uh, in a case there and say, well, she saw, uh, especially against a man, you know, I saw this and this. It would not even count because woman was regarded as just over-emotional beings that cannot even give an accurate description of an account. And here we find that these people, they don't even believe her. They don't believe her. Then it says in verse 12, after that he appeared, after that he appeared in another form to two of them, and they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. So here it is like, a resurrection from the dead. What are you talking about? This is impossible. We know that Jesus could raise the dead and he did raise Lazarus. But for him, who's going to raise him? It's impossible. They didn't believe. Then verse 14. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven. And as they sat to eat, um, he abraded them and said unto, uh, abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he that believes. So what is the context here? The context is, he that believes that Jesus was raised from the dead. It says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believes not shall be damned. Now, okay. <clears throat> We've had this teaching in the church that, and this is what we understood, that we need to confess our sins, and if we confess our sins, we shall be forgiven of our sins and cleansed from all unrighteousness. And we've taken John chapter, 1 John 1, verse 9 and 10 as the start of the gospel, where we say, this is how your Christian walk starts. You confess your sin, show remorse, and stop your sin and serve Jesus. But that is not where your walk with Christ starts. Your walk with Christ where you are a partaker of what He's done starts with you acknowledging or believing that Jesus was raised from the dead. That is what Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 says. He who believes in his heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and confess with his mouth that He is the Lord, he shall be saved. For with a heart you believe unto the equitable deed of God and his justification, and with your mouth, when you call him Lord, you are making confession that he is the one that saves you from the fruit of the flesh and in the end, death. That is what that passage means. Church, you know, I've, I can understand and I can see how some might say, this is complicated. Rather give me just a simple teaching on, listen, this is as simple as what it gets. This is the simplicity of the gospel. This is the gospel. 
anything else can fall into the category of a feel-good, a, 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 a motivational speech. You don't need Jesus to give somebody a motivational speech. What you need Jesus for is to be saved from sin and death and to be saved from what bogs you down and causes depression in your life, wherein He brings forth a brand new life. So here we see that the word gospel is used to explain the good news of the resurrection. The good news of the resurrection. So when we read the Bible and we talk about the gospel of the Apostle Paul, we are now talking about, or the gospel of the apostles uh, from after the resurrection. The gospel Jesus preached was not the fact that he was raised from the dead. The gospel Jesus preached was that his, his kingdom is now working in the earth. That was the gospel Jesus preached, but which was a different gospel than what the apostles preached although it all is in the end referring to the same thing. But what the apostles preached was the good news that Jesus was raised. The first person who ever preached the good news was Mary, of Ma Mary Magdalene. She came to the disciples and preached the gospel to them, which was that Jesus was raised from the dead. They were sad, they were mourning, they didn't know He was raised, and then, since they were mourning like that, she came with a message that could save them from their mourning, and that was, Jesus is raised. That is the good news. That is the gospel. They did not believe. Jesus rebuked them for their unbelief, and then explained something very powerful. He said, when go into all the world, to Jew and Gentile, preach unto them, the gospel, preach unto them that Jesus was raised. He who believes and is immersed into this, into this truth, baptized unto this truth, shall be saved. He who does not believe this shall be damned. That's what he said. So what is the good news? The good news is that Jesus was raised. All of salvation pivots around a belief in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just believing that Jesus died cannot save you. Believing that Jesus went to the cross cannot save you. The Apostle Paul clearly says it in um, 1 Corinthians 15. He says that if Jesus was not raised, let us eat, drink, and die. <laughs> That's what he says. He says there's no purpose for us in this world if Jesus was not raised. Jesus did die, but His death means absolutely nothing as pertaining to salvation should there not be a resurrection. The only thing the death of Jesus Christ means and what it's all about is in the death, and I don't have time to explain this, was a un unification of Jew and Gentile. It was the end of the old man. And should Jesus have just died for humanity, do you know what that would mean to us without a resurrection? Zilch, nothing, zero, absolutely nothing. And what we do is, the only thing that we in the church, that our whole mind revolves around, is only the crucifixion. Because we think that that's where 
the, Jesus was punished for me with the beating that I deserved. The Father beat Jesus. Therefore, I can now, I stand judicially right before God. Therefore, I can now go to heaven if I just believe Jesus died. It is not the, the, the point around which Christianity pivots is not the fact that Jesus died. Although there is great power and great truth and great understanding in that, and that it was absolutely necessary, and without the death there could not even be a resurrection. So you can't, cannot have just one of the two, you need to have both. But the whole thing, the gospel, was not that Jesus died. The gospel was not that, um, th that he became sin. That was not the gospel, although that is needed to form the gospel. The gospel was that Jesus Christ was physically raised from the dead and was preached in such a way that the early uh, Christians understood that and the apostles understood that, that God has now made him the Messiah and the Lord. Now, I want to explain something to you and I heard somebody talk about this. In, in, the, in about 66 AD, there was a man called Simon Bar-Giora and he was actually called Simon Bar means son, Giora means of the strong one or the mighty one. And he was basically, uh, if you can call it, a Jewish William Wallace, uh, if you've seen the movie Braveheart. And he was uh, just a peasant and he was just a normal guy but very uh, good at war. And then when the first, the first time the uh, Romans came to make war against Jerusalem, he attacked from the north the Roman armies and he really upset the Roman armies and uh, did win some things there. And then he, what he wanted was to be honored by the clergy or the higher society of the Jewish people, they wanted to be a ruler as well. And they didn't want somebody of the lower ranks to be a ruler. And then they said to him, listen, we can't give you a place. Then he became very upset and went and caused and attacked the rich Jews, the rich people, because he says these rich high society people don't want to make place for people that can really mean something against this war. Uh, against the Romans and he started to attack the rich Jews in the uh, small towns and he made havoc, he destroyed and he got an army and eventually he had about 40,000 people follow him. To make a long story short that the very people that he was attacking, the, his own people, the Jewish people and the high society had to make room for him inside the city gates of Jerusalem when the Romans decided, decided to take over uh, Jerusalem in about 70 AD, 69 AD, to destroy everything there. But he was called um, a deliverer or a protector, a savior. He was called a savior. And he had about 40,000 people that followed him, and that's not even including his army. But the Romans came in, caused havoc, destroyed the temple, destroyed everything. Then he went underground in Jerusalem, in the physical city, in some of those tunnels under the city, and he was hiding there. And he had people that would cut through rock and try to get him out of the city, but he ran without food and he had to appear. He came in a kingly robe 
and came out of the ground at the very place where the temple was destroyed. They took him and they took the Jewish people and Titus went and uh, in the triumphant entry they came and they had this Simon behind them as a leader and they judged him as a traitor and um, threw him off a big rock and, and killed him. Now, imagine he had 11 disciples. Imagine he had 11 disciples after he was killed. What do you think would they do? Do you think they now are going to run around into a city and say to the Romans, listen, you know, this Simon that has died is king. Do you think they're going to do that? They're not going to do that. They're going to say, listen, he is not a Messiah. He's not a savior. The Romans got the better of him. He is dead. The temple is destroyed. There is no hope for us. Let us call it what it is. If we want the Messiah, we need to go and look for another one. But this one is not the Messiah. And they're going to be quiet. They're going to hope that they can get away from this and that they're not going to pay with their lives for being associated with him. That is what they're going to do. But in the case of Jesus, he suffers to a certain degree the same fate. He is crucified on a hill outside of Jerusalem. He is completely defeated, destroyed uh, in the eyes of the Jews. They found him guilty. The Romans found him guilty. Both of them condemned him to death. And then he was put upon the cross and he physically died. A spear was put in his side and he was proven completely dead. And then, by, uh, then a rich man asked him for his body to be put into a grave and not eaten by the, uh, by the birds and thrown in a heap there to be eaten by the wild animals and the birds. He was put in a, into a grave and three days later, these scared 11 people that were running away as what should Simon uh, ha have had uh, disciples. That's how scared they were. They were uh, fiery. They were thinking there is such great, I don't, we don't know what to do. They were afraid and here something happens that causes these 11 people to go not long after that into Jerusalem and stand there in front of the Romans as well as the very Jews that crucified him unashamed and say to all of them, I want to tell you that this man whom you crucified, this is Acts 2 from verse 38 onwards, this man Jesus that you crucified, God has decided to make him Lord and Messiah. For he was raised from the dead and he rules over Rome and he rules over the Jews because whatever they wanted to do to him, whatever their verdict was, which was death, he has proven to be greater than their verdict because he conquered over the Romans in being raised from the dead for they put him to death so he's stronger than them and he's stronger than all the Jews, and therefore, since he was raised from the dead, and he declared that through belief in this resurrection, he will save us, those who believe upon him, also from death, we come and we boldly declare in front of all of you that this one that you killed, that you, you are guilty of killing, 
He is the Messiah and He is the Lord. I want to tell you, nothing but a physical resurrection from the dead, wherein these people didn't doubt at all, can cause that to take place. They would have run. They would have scattered if it was a fake thing. It was true. It was real. And it, that physical resurrection of Jesus is referred to many times in the New Testament as the truth. The truth, not a lie. It, he, he, his body wasn't stolen by his disciples. He was truly risen. I want to tell you, if his body was stolen by his disciples, that would not be powerful enough if they know he was really dead, to go and stand up against Rome. That would not be powerful enough for them to stand up against those very people that caught Jesus. But here we see something, some miraculous power in the resurrection and in those that believe in this resurrection that it saves them from the fear of death. <laughs> Hallelujah! It makes them happy. It makes them later on share their very substance they have, walk in love, walk in forgiveness, be kind to people, heal the sick, spread the good news of the resurrection. That is what took place here. And that is what we see here in the book of Acts. Let me read this to you. It says from verse 32, Acts 2, 32, And Jesus, this Jesus has God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. He says, we are witnesses that Jesus was raised from the dead. Therefore, being, being at the right hand of God, exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has shed forth this which you now see. This was at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They were praying in tongues. And when the people were praying in tongues and preaching the good news, the wonderful things of God, they said, what is this? Peter stood up and he says, this that you are seeing now, let me tell you what this is. Jesus was raised from the dead and he received the Holy Spirit, the immortal life of God. He as a human is now in equality with God, seated in the heavens with God as a human being. And now this spirit that was poured out, we testify that this spirit that he received in his resurrection, he's now poured out on people as well, wherein the resurrection that he partook in, he is now ruling and reigning over the sin and death of humanity and of humans that believe upon him. And this is what you are seeing. You're finding supernatural power in these people. They are doing things that they couldn't do before. So you are seeing the effect of the resurrection. Then they, they started to think, but we have now harmed someone here that we were not supposed to harm. And they were touched in their hearts by the preaching. Now hear what happens now. And now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we now do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. In other words, Change your view and opinion about this man and believe in the resurrection. For many of them believed that he wasn't raised. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, the Messiah. Wherein you now say, this Jesus whom you crucified, he was raised from the dead and he is now the Messiah of humanity. Wherein he doesn't save Jews from Gentiles or where he doesn't try to save one ethnic group from the other ethnic group, but where he has come to save man from death and sin in the flesh 
and to bring life and immortality to humanity. He says, when you believe that, he says, and, and when you baptize in the name of Jesus the Christ, remember the passage in Matthew 1.21 where it says, you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. So he says, you must be baptized in the name of the Savior who is now raised from the dead and through the resurrection we see him as the Christ. Okay? And then we will be baptized. It says when you baptize into that name, it will be for a certain reason. It means for the remission of sins. Please, people, the remission of sins there does not talk about not standing guilty before God. That is not even part of the equation. The, the, it is not in the equation. What is in the equation and what the remission of sins here is talking about, we've seen in Mark 16, talks about the resurrection. We've seen it in Acts 13, 38. Talks about being saved from death and sin in the flesh and the fruit of the flesh. That's what it's talking about, the remission of sins. Other words for remission there would be deliverance from not partaking and be a co-sharer of the life of God. It says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, and you will have the hope of immortality. That is what Peter was saying here. That is what he was trying to communicate with these people. I want to tell you this, and this can be a sh shock to many people, but when Jesus appeared to them, and he was raised from the dead, and he appeared to them, and he said to them, why do you not believe that I'm raised? And he proved unto them that he was raised. And he said to them, listen, go and preach this good news now. They didn't sit there with a feeling saying, well, I don't feel God is not angry with me. Any. I, I'm feeling God is not angry with me. Therefore, let me go and preach. That was not what empowered them. The feeling of not standing guilty before the law was not what empowered them. What empowered them was all of a sudden they saw God bringing the resurrection that the Pharisees believed in right to hand here. And we find a man now that is greater than death. And we find that he now comes and he says that you can also have this immortality and you can also be saved from the death as I was saved from it in being saved unto a new form of physicality. That is what empowered them. That is what wanted them to, what caused them to say, let us go and tell all people. Then it says in Mark 16 from verse 20, it says, and they went forth and preached everywhere. What did they preach everywhere? That Jesus was raised from the dead. And the Lord working with them and confirming the word. What word? The message that he was... <laughs> what is the word? It's the message that he was raised from the dead. Glory to God. We've come with all forms of gospel. Church, there's only one gospel. And that is the message that Jesus was raised from the dead. And we have erred from... We have deviated from that. We've come to a place where the gospel was, well, Jesus died for you and the Father took out all his anger on one man, Jesus. And now if you believe that he died upon the cross or that you believe that he was on the earth, 
then you now are a believer in Jesus, and then one day He's going to take you to heaven. That has never been the gospel. That will never be the gospel. The gospel is that God has come in one man, Jesus. He became sin and He conquered the sin, sin in the flesh. He condemned sin in the flesh, meaning that in the flesh now, in His resurrected flesh, He made it possible for humanity to be set free from sin and death so that who and what God is can be experienced inside us right now not by our obedience to laws, not by our own willpower, but by the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. This Spirit He poured out in Acts chapter 2 and upon those that believe, and that is the Spirit we receive, whereby we now live as we believe on the Gospel, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The gospel is not that God was angry and He beat Jesus. Now you don't have to be beaten. Neither is the gospel that you, don't, um, th th that you are not under the law of Moses. No, that is, just a, that is just a conclusion we come to because of the gospel, <laughs> which is the resurrection of Jesus. Since the law could not give me a resurrected body, since the law was weak, in that it could not save me from bitterness and hatred and sexual immorality and uh, alcohol abuse and whatever, including death, since the law was too weak to do it, we now know that it and see that God has done it in the body of Jesus and the death He had and the sin that He became was ours. Therefore, we can now say He was made sin because that's where we were. And he conquered the sin that we were in, that we can say, thank God, we've got now the hope of this resurrection. Now, just in the last few minutes, uh, Romans 1 verse 1. Let me read uh, from verse 2. No, I've got, I didn't print verse 1 there, so I'm going to just go here. Romans 1. Man, it just feels that like I just preached the introduction. I still want to preach now. <laughs> it says here, Romans 1, 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be apostle. Now listen to this. Separated unto the gospel of God. <laughs> what is the gospel? Paul says, Paul, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ called an apostle. I am a special messenger. What message did Paul have? The very same message Mary Magdalene had. They saw the resurrected Jesus. Now where did Paul see the resurrected Jesus? Acts chapter 9. On the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to Paul when he was still Saul. And after this appearing, after seeing the resurrected Jesus, what did he go and do? He preached the gospel, the resurrection that Jesus was raised from the dead and he was a very intelligent man and in Christ all the scriptures start to make sense and he start to preach from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Hallelujah! Same thing Peter did. It says, 
Which, now listen, this God, what is the gospel? That Jesus was raised from the dead, sin and death is conquered. Which he had promised afore by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So what was promised by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures? It was that Jesus would be raised from the dead. It was eternal life. Eternal life was promised by God. Where do we read that? Titus 1 verse 2. Romans 1 verse 3, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. So according to the flesh, he was made of the seed of David and declared to be the son of God. How he declared to be a son of God? With power, according to the Holy Spirit, by the resurrection from the dead. So here he says that Jesus was declared to be the son of God by the resurrection from the dead. So how can you say you're a son of God? By the resurrection from the dead. Now he comes and he pours out that Holy Spirit upon the believers. And now we say, we by the Holy Spirit say unto God, Abba, Father, wherein we are now saying God is our Father, and the only place wherein we can say that God is our Father is through the physical resurrection from the dead in Jesus, wherein we have the hope of a physical resurrection where we shall be revealed as the sons of God in immortal flesh as Jesus by His Spirit manifests that in us in His return. That is what it's all about, church. It's about God conquering sin in your flesh, God conquering your death. It's not about God being an angry God that's legalistic, that wants to beat up people, that's sin conscious. The only reason why God is conscious of your sin or knows of your sin is because of the harm it brings to you. But He doesn't deal with you according to your transgression. He doesn't deal with you according to your sin. He deals with your sins according to the power of His resurrection and delivers you by His doing. Now, I end off with this. Who, in His right mind, in the mind of Jesus as the Christ, in the mind of the gospel, as I've explained it to do, uh, today, will ever still be in the need of a law to justify you unto life. Who in his right mind will ever be still in the need of any form of legalism or thing you need to do to prosper you or save you from poverty? We still today preach tithing and sowing and reaping as a principle which will save us from poverty. Who understanding the gospel will still think that you are in need of anything to do to be saved from any bad thing. In the light of the Messiah, the Christ, who conquered death, don't you think that in His resurrection He's conquered everything else as well? He has. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's why we say the law is fulfilled. Whatever the law spoke about, what the law was about was it was, it was prophesying unto this Jesus, this resurrected Christ, this glorified human which conquers our sin and death, who is now Lord, who is through His resurrection manifesting who and what He 
rose up into by the Spirit that He pours out on the earth, where we don't try and rule and reign, but where we are ruled and reigned over by a God who comes and brings justice to this earth according to His victory in His triumphant entry, wherein He blesses us with His life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. I feel happy. I feel so happy because of what Jesus has done. And we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we are believers in the gospel, the true gospel. And there is no other. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, as you guys can see, I don't want to end this, but time has come. We're running out of time here. Let us just pray together. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Lord, I wanted to still explain what grace is according to this resurrection. Thank you for your grace, Lord, wherein you, has influ you have influenced our state of being unto a new creation, which is not just a spiritual thing, which is true in you. Thank you that your glory is as of the only begotten of God, a physical human that cannot die, filled with influential power unto us in the truth of your physicality. Thank you, Lord. I pray for everybody that's watching. I declare you, you, I declare unto you the resurrection of Jesus, the victory over sin and death in one man, Jesus. I declare to everyone that is hearing my voice right now that you need no law to be set free. You don't need no works of the flesh, no obedience to commandments, nothing. For a new commandment He gave, which is to believe so that we can love one another. Thank you that we, as we believe you, we find love in our hearts come forth by the power of the resurrection. We find generosity coming in our hearts by the power of the resurrection. We find kindness, faithfulness, and all those things, freedom from fear, love in our hearts.